You are listening to The Current Daily, the official podcast of UC San Diego's IT Services Department. I'm your host, Miguel Rodriguez. Ah, today is Friday, August 14th. The end of another week. Is anyone even tracking what week Summer Session 2 it is? I assume it's still going strong. I think we're ending week two, if I'm not mistaken, but I very well could be. Yep, another heat wave is coming, and I don't know why I'm saying coming, because yesterday got to 100 where I live, but I hope you can find some shade and solace somewhere, whatever temperature it is. What a great presentation by our CISO Mike Korn during the Campus Lisa webinar yesterday. The recording will be posted at campuslisa.ucsd.edu and even already might be there by the time you hear this recording. The series rolls on next Thursday with this exciting topic, Automating the Compliance of Health Research with Virtual Research Desktop. You can already register online at the same website, campuslisa.ucsd.edu. Here at The Current Daily, I confess that we do talk quite a lot about working from home. The good, the bad, the frustrating, the funny. But there are many people in IT services who make their way to campus, if not daily, then on a very frequent basis. We'd like to share their stories as well. So first up, we'll hear from Laura Sievert. This is Mark Herzberger. Today, I'm joined by Lara Sievert. She is, she is a senior producer director here in IT services. Lara, welcome to the pod. How are you? Hi, Mark. Thanks for inviting me. I've been following you guys for a while now, really enjoying your podcast. Thank you for hosting this. Oh, you got it. And on behalf of the, the team that puts it together, thank you for listening. Um, we are going to talk a little today, Laura, uh, about your position in normal times, how it's changed since March. And I know this is great radio listener listeners. I assume, Laura, you're on campus. I can see you on the camera. You're, you're wearing a mask. So we're going to talk a little bit about uh, what that's like to have to report to uh, a work location, the protocols, and so forth. But in normal times, Laura, what is your position like on a day-to-day basis? Pre-COVID, my position was basically that of constantly changing and adapting to whatever got thrown at us in our department. Anything from a last-minute sound system rental for a speech given by a dean to video recording or interview in a studio. My department is technically named Audiovisual Event Services as part of ITS. And we basically help any campus department that needs audiovisual for events, lectures, and video recordings for research and even live streaming. That sounds pretty hands-on, definitely on campus. So what is different for you all and you personally since March? Being on campus is like a ghost town. I mean, I'm lucky if I see one person in passing in a day. For the most part, I've been on one location at APNM in an office, and another location for another project I'm working on is in North Torrey Pines. And so between those two locations, there's really no traffic, no parking problems, it's been really quiet. I mean, obviously then, you know, there's no or, or very minimal events and, and so forth to cover 
Um, so what's that like for you without any of the bread and butter type events going on? It's a great question. Basically what happened from my observation is as soon as we got the campus closure back in March, I started getting emails about, can you help with Zoom? Do you know how I can get a webinar license? Uh, a lot of Zoom online video conferencing questions were coming up. I basically sent everyone to our Zoom team to go through the service desk to go through that process so that they could get to the right place because Zoom can be very complicated if you dig deep. And it can also be pretty simple if you just want to do something basic, like have a conversation. So with that, they really have a point place to go on campus for that. So what I saw is a lot of clients just trying to figure out on their own how to do Zoom, getting a webinar license and figuring out on their own, pushing buttons and figuring it out. So with that, I did have some requests that came to me recently wanting me to record Zoom and edit it and really polish it, editing out any mistakes or any technical glitches, the video freezing, what have you, and adding titles, adding music to the beginning, adding credits. So that's basically what I've been doing a lot of is um, working with Zoom and clients to get their events, lectures, and meetings in an online format and making it really polished and technically clean. Okay. So it sounds like you're maybe coming in at the end with like the editing and the polishing. What's the work though that takes you to campus and how often do you have to go to campus? Every day I'm on campus about 40 hours a week. And there are other people in my department that are here. There's the audiovisual installation team, which is basically redesigning and upgrading classrooms for the technical audiovisual functions that had a work, kind of a backlog of work from what I understand. So this is giving them some time to kind of catch up on their projects. And I think they're doing some level of Zoom incorporation to some of these. So that would be a new feature, but um, I'm not the expert on that. So there's other people around, which is nice because I think I'd go nuts if I had to be here by myself. As far as what brings you to campus, are you like Mm -hmm. filming stuff or is all like the editing equipment there or what? Yeah, I have uh, resource-wise on campus, what I have is bandwidth for live streaming. Bandwidth makes a huge difference for live streaming, as you can imagine. So I'm trying to get the best video quality I can, trying to edit and upload five, 10 gigabyte files quickly and share them with our clients. So that really helps a lot. And I think that having the cameras, the high quality cameras here that we have, high quality microphones and other accessories, having that available in a pinch, it makes a big difference for me to be working on campus. There are certain locations locations I've gone to to do live streams at SIO. They had a all day long master's graduation program where they got special permission from the vice chancellor to allow up to 22 students to present one at a time in their auditorium. And they did sanitation protocol in between each speaker. So I was filming and live broadcasting that for them in June. And that actually went very well, but it was a lot of work. We had a whole day rehearsal. And in the end, the client was very happy and said that that's something that we could use as a template for to help other departments with in the future to kind of get set up that protocol for sanitization and bringing people in. And as far as the protocols, you know, I see through the video, you're, you're wearing a mask and I'm sure there's distancing. So what are some of the formal protocols you have to follow? And then how easy or not easy are those to follow? The protocols are pretty clear, you know, wearing a mask at all times, you know, the data's in now, they did a lot of the CDC did a lot of testing. And so we know that masks do make a big difference. So that's definitely something that we do and that we maintain both inside and outdoors on campus. Everyone, even driving a golf cart, 
The other thing is constantly using hand sanitizer. Every door you open, there's a hand sanitizer on the other, you know, bottle on the other side of the door to always keep clean. Wiping down surfaces, doorknobs, laptops, anything you touch throughout the day just becomes kind of normal, a routine. So once you get the routine down, it's really not a big deal. It's not, it's not really an obstacle to working on campus and seems to be working really well. As far as your own health and your own uh, risk, how, how comfortable do you feel having to go in each day? I feel that there are certain concerns that I have in general, but I think that really just comes down to knowledge. How knowledgeable am I on the current crisis we're having with COVID and and its potential exposure risks in a large institution? Considering there's a small handful of people on site, I think that as long as everyone's following the protocol, it's very, you know, straightforward and it's not that big of a risk when you have like six people, you know, within you know, a large space spread out and coming and going. So I think that there's a balance that you have to find what you're comfortable with. And I think that's going to be different for each person. Anything else you want to mention about the work you're doing or what it's like to be on campus? Yeah, actually, I think, Lark, the real thing I wanted to kind of share with everyone out there in our department is that there's two really interesting projects that I've been fortunate to be a part of and work on. And what is really bringing me physically to campus every day. The first one is the Datacom Access Point Redesign and Installation Project. This project is basically going through every single dorm room on campus and more than doubling the amount of wireless access points, providing much broader and much stronger internet for our students when they return in fall. This project is so huge that the timeline is was originally a five-year-long project, and they're cramming it into a three-month timeline. I've only seen the tip of the iceberg of this project, but talking to some of the wireless engineers and all the work they're doing in the background, it's extremely complex. I'm just helping them label these APs and making sure that they are exactly correct and matching the IP address, the MAC address, everything matches. Checking the data, making sure the data is accurate and identifying the device. Did that Um, that come through our ITS Help Wanted board to you? It sure did. That helped a lot. Yay, it was successful. (laughs) Nice. And on that note, I want to thank my supervisor, Arturo Acevedo, as well as uh, Rashmi and HR, who really helped kind of coordinate getting me in touch with supporting the Datacom project to help them out. It worked out really well. The second project I'm working on that brings me physically to campus, um, something I can't do remotely, is the loft. If you've ever been to Price Center and been to the loft that houses Zanzibar, really good food. It's an event venue that host concerts. I actually used to be the technical production manager of The Loft many years ago when I worked at Price Center. They started just last week. They created a 4K high-definition video studio that's open and free to use for all campus affiliates, as long as it's focused on UCSD and content. I think that that is an incredible resource that's coming at a great time the curator that it came up with the idea and the administration that supported it. I think this is going to be a resource that's really going to help students reach out socially to be able to have, say, a DJ come and perform and using social distancing, recording it or streaming it live in 4K from the loft. And having that remote event opportunity is going to be great for students as well as any faculty or staff that want to utilize the space. That sounds fun. When, when do you suppose they're going to have that online? 
they're just now wrapping up the installation and testing. So once they're done with testing the equipment, it should be up any, any week here, definitely before fall quarter. And if anybody has any interest in finding out more, usually I put work first. <laughs> so I've kind of shift gears and balanced that out. Surprisingly, though, a couple of weeks ago, my car was stolen, even though I've parked it in the same spot for the last four years. So I don't know if that's a sign that things are changing and we should be keep an eye on our cars and doors. But fortunately, I was able to recover my car and find it within a day by using Neighbors and Nextdoor. Those are two apps online that show your neighborhood and kind of like a neighborhood watch program. So one of my neighbors posted, hey, I saw a car just like that, you know, off the interstate. And sure enough, we drove down there and it was abandoned on the side of the road and turned out I was able to salvage her. So that was an interesting little little adventure this summer. I mean, some some good detective work uh, (laughs) from you there. And I'm to understand you have a special affinity for the car. (laughs) Yeah, it's a 24-year-old car. It's a family heirloom and it was given to me by my my mother. And so it's, she's kind of part of the family. So it was kind of emotional when she was missing and just glad to have her back in our lives. The she that was missing was just, we're still talking about the car, right? Not mom? Oh, yeah, yeah. Sorry. I, I... The, yeah, the car the, is a she. <laughs> uh, well, look, we, we've got a special uh, older car or two in our family, and I would be uh, devastated if they went missing. So I feel you there, and I, I commend your efforts in tracking it down. Thanks. Well, I think on that happy note, we can uh, leave it there. Thank you, Laura. No problem. Take care, Mark. Be safe. Those were some great insights from Laura. And also great to know some of those projects she's working on. And if the rest of us ever return to campus, I'll definitely enlist her sleuthing skills in the event my lunch ever goes missing from the break room. And Lara wanted to pass on. If you want to host your own DJ set in the Loft studio she mentioned, you can send an email to theloft at ucsd.edu. I think I know a cognitive science professor who might be interested. Have a great weekend, everyone. I sure hope you're enjoying this podcast. Remember to let your fellow IT services staff members know that this podcast exists. Get everyone to subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you can get your podcasts. This podcast is a collaborative effort, and we want to hear from you. If you have any ideas for podcasts or topics, send them to me at its-podcast at UCSD. That's it for today. Keep an ear out for the next episode of The Current Daily.